0: Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith, and yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free bereaved parent retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 116. One of the topics that frequently arises at our While We're Waiting weekends is the impact that child loss can have on the marriage relationship. So we've brought some folks who are very knowledgeable about that subject onto the podcast today. My friends Ron and Nan Deal have been married since 1986 and have three sons. Ron is a director with Family Life, the author of more than a dozen resources, and a licensed marriage and family therapist. Nan is a teacher with over 25 years of experience in public and private schools, and she also volunteers in a recovery ministry. Their 12-year-old son, Connor, went to heaven in 2009, so they are waiting parents as well. Ron and Nan travel and speak all over the country on marriage and the loss of a child, and I am grateful to have them join me on the podcast today. Hi, Ron and Nan. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Hi, Jill.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, it's good to be with you. Yeah, thank you. I've really been looking forward to having you on. Some of our listeners may already be a little bit familiar with you guys. Uh, Ron, some folks may know you from your work with Family Life Ministries. And Nan, people that have listened to the podcast in the past might remember your story from episodes 81 and 82, where you shared quite a bit about your story with us. But if you don't mind, if you'll just take a moment for the folks that or may not be familiar with you to just tell us a little bit about yourselves.
1: Yeah. So we've been married for 36 years at yeah. this point. Yeah. And high school sweethearts. High, high school sweethearts. That's right. I saw her down the hall in seventh grade and <laughs> pursued her <laughs> until we finally started dating our senior year. Yes.
2: Wow. Um, Three boys: Brayden, Connor, and Brennan. Braden is now married, 28 years old. Connor is our forever 12-year-old. And Brennan is 23, about to be 24. And we are officially, again, at Empty nest. nest. And we'd like to stay that way. <laughs> right. I am um, teaching kindergarten at Little Rock Christian here in Little Rock, Arkansas.
1: And I'm a marriage and family educator. Work a lot with blended families. That's what I do with Family Life.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, thank you. And you mentioned Connor. You said that he is forever 12. Yes. Tell us about Connor. Just give us a little bit of background about Connor.
2: Well, Connor is our middle son, 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, introvert, extremely creative. Our Star Wars Lego-loving child uh, could sing
1: Mm -hmm. amazingly.
2: Mm -hmm. And And he um, definitely
1: had his own opinions about things. We (laughs) thought we were good parents with our firstborn until we had Connor. (laughs) And we realized, oh, parenting can be more difficult depending on the temperament and personality of your child. Sure, (laughs) sure. He
2: was really the glue in the middle of all three of them. And, you know, it was um, February of 2009. He... Got a headache, and 10 days later, he went home to be with the Lord after a uh, MRSA staph infection took his life. Yeah. And…
1: It came out of nowhere. It
2: came out of nowhere. We, we had, had… We mm-hmm. had
1: no forewarning at no all. He, he was, like she said, healthy. Yeah. We, we still, to this day, don't know how he got MRSA. Right. We just saw the effects of it. Yeah, uh, somebody… Just
2: today asked me, um, wanted to know a little bit more details. I'm in a new job, so, you know, I'm reintroducing myself all over uh again, which can have its challenges. Absolutely. And this person was very gracious, and and she asked, was it a cut? Was it this? Was it that? And, you know, it presented itself with a headache, no fever, and then two days later, 105 fever, Mm. to pneumonia, to the flu, to on and on it went. And so... And, you know, it came out of nowhere, and then it rocked our world. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I honestly thought something like this would never touch our family. Mm -hmm. My husband's in ministry. We take our kids to church three times a week. And I just felt like I was in this protective bubble. And so when it happened, it just rocked every facet of our world. And, um, you know, we carry it so much better these days. We're almost 14 years in. It has changed. Mm-hmm. It, it's not over. Mm-hmm. It has changed. We have learned to carry it. And I can see every member of our family carrying him and it differently. And yet it has been, and it continues to be one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right, without a doubt. It's
2: He is missed. Yeah. He is thought about. I go back to school and I think of Connor.
0: Oh, sure. He was
2: mm-hmm. the one that loved the backpack and the lunchbox and all the supplies and couldn't wait to go to the store with me. He was the one that just loved that part of his life. And so when I see these kids going down the hallway with these Star Wars Lego backpacks, yes, uh-huh. I immediately think of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a sweet, sweet season. And really because I don't think he passed, you know, he was just started middle school. He really is kind of stuck, kind of elementary, middle school. And so he's really frozen there for me. So it Mm. really is a space
0: where I do see him. Yeah, I relate to that so much because Hannah died right towards the end of her junior year of high school. And you know, she was 17 when she left us, also 13, almost 14 years ago. Um, yes, we're, just we're just nine, nine days yeah. apart That's <laughs> right. uh, in this journey, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so hard to imagine. She would be 30 now. And wow. that, that is so hard to picture when right. she left it, yes, us at 17 to think she would be a woman now.
2: I know, 26. You know?
0: Yeah. Just,
1: we have one of those digital uh, frames in our kitchen. Um, yeah are the two boys gave Mm name that as a gift and it rotates through pictures yes and every once in a while i'm in there and just boom there's one of connor Mm -hmm. and then the next one will be of our oldest who's now 28 and married and Mm -hmm. and it's like wait a minute (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. supposed to be side by side you know best of friends they don't look alike anymore you know and so you have all of those questions yeah And, and that's one of the pieces of carrying our child with us is trying nice. to just, you know, where do we put them in terms of the right. birth order of our other kids and yeah. all the other things in life that just keep moving?
2: You know, right. our youngest, well, both of our boys had beards yeah. right now. Uh-huh. And I asked Brennan the other day, I said, do you think Connor would be <laughs> having a beard? And he said, oh, I think he'd rock it, mom. And I, I'm just like, really? I mean, yeah. I can't even, because
0: his face was still... A young boy. Mm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh mm. yeah. The things that we that we miss, you know? Yes. And every every single day. Right. Um, every day. Yeah. Well, today we're here, of course, we we could just sit here and talk about our kids all day (laughs) because, you know, every bereaved parent's favorite topic is their children. But we are actually here to talk about marriage and marriage in particular after the loss of a child. So let's kind of move into that. You know, we always hear these kind of crazy statistics about what happens in a marriage after the loss of a child. Ron, is it true that 80% or even upwards of that number of couples divorce after the loss of a child?
1: No. And Thank I'm <laughs> so glad that we could put that to rest. Yes. yes. You know, we had well intended people who came up to us after Connor's death and, yeah. and said, Are you guys okay? Because you, you know, as if they're revealing something to us, like you have cancer and don't know it. And, right. What? And, and so i <laughs> and which
2: i'd like to say right now that's the worst thing to say yes. to a bereaved parent fresh yeah. in their grief mm-hmm. please just don't
1: it comes out of goodwill from it people does. it's another one of those stupid things people say out of a good heart they're trying yes. but it's
2: mm-hmm. it's yeah. not helpful
1: yeah and, and it's not true i looked into it i really looked into it because i had to know whether there was anything to this or not yeah tell and us there's Relatively poor research about the divorce rate for couples who have lost a child we don't really know much at all. there's been some uh, some research it's limited in its scope there's really no big conclusions, but nobody comes up with an eighty percent divorce rate stat even in the in the research that does exist right. I do think it's fair to say that there is a higher stress level. We all know that's true. That's like a no-brainer. And I do think it's it's fair to say that there might be a higher divorce rate for couples who have experienced child loss. But the one thing that does seem to come through in the research is the path you were on before the loss tends to be the path. It gets accelerated. It's the path you're going to be on afterwards. So if you had a healthy marriage, you have some resource to draw from you're going to be okay, all right? Mm-hmm. If you are really struggling in your relationship, this just you know adds another earthquake on top of all the other things you were dealing with. And now you're in rubble and you don't even know how to pick up and begin to move forward. And so it can be hurtful to your marriage. Uh, I think one of the things we want to talk about today is no matter what the story was before your loss, how do you protect your marriage now?
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what we want to talk about. So we know that grief is going to add this great weight to a marriage. What are some of the pitfalls that we need to avoid as we move forward after the loss of a child?
2: Well, I think the first thing that we need to say to your listeners, because I think most of your listeners are probably bereaved parents. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. First, I'd like to say, I'm so sorry. And be kind to yourself Mm -hmm. and be kind to one another you have just stepped into a tremendous amount of pain, which takes a lot of emotional reserve that you don't have. Yes. So to then put pressure on yourself of, oh, I've got to save my marriage and, oh, I've got to save my other children. I think we need to take it one day at a time. And we need to lean into our grief and learn ourselves and extend grace to the other people in our home. But it takes time to figure that out. So you're not going to be able to fix your marriage or help it in the first year, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I think you need to learn the rhythms of how you grieve and how you can do one Mm -hmm. foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. before you do that astronomical task. I really do. I mean, learning how to just get out of bed, learning to take care of yourself, go back to work, feed your other children, drive a car and function. So be kind, Mm -hmm. you have time on your side, Now let's talk about some of the things Mm -hmm. for your marriage.
1: Exactly. That's that's really good. paves the way to the conversation about, you know, she alluded to the intensity of your pain has robbed you of energy for life. Right. Uh, You don't have any zest for life anymore, let alone, Mm -hmm. you know, zest for one another. Mm -hmm. So it it just immediately creates this void of energy Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you used to invest in your marriage you're just trying to survive right and Mm -hmm. we definitely felt that and tasted and experienced that now i want to be clear nobody's saying this is wrong you shouldn't react this way of course you're going to react this way you're just not going to have much for one another and so you sort of reach (laughs) and find and connect when you can how you can and frequently for us especially in the beginning we were connecting around our loss we were grieving we were just trying Mm -hmm. to find hold each our other way
2: at night and cry. That's
1: right. And we had yeah. two other children and so yeah. take those little moments. In other words, your marriage may take the form of grieving together mm-hmm. as the principal way that you connect, and that seems weird and odd and bizarre and that's not where you want to be, but it's where you must be. Right. And okay. so just reach and connect when you can. You know, one of the things that we've also noticed in other people before is one partner talks and the other partner prefers silence yes. Yes. in their uh-huh. grief. Now, Nan and I are both talkers. You probably already figured that out. <laughs> uh, we didn't have any problems coming up and saying we where we did. were, what was going on, processing our inner world and experience, right. asking each other how it went doing. But we've had other friends and couples that we've worked with, and we lead the virtual group for while we're waiting. And yes. so we've interacted with a lot of parents. And it can be a difficulty when one's a talker and the other person is silent and you're going, do you not care? Where are you? Mm -hmm. What's going on with you? I need you to give me more. You know, you try to remember this isn't their, uh, they're not boycotting you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're just stuck in their head, trying to process life just like you are, they just do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So neither's wrong, but it does make it a little harder for you to build a bridge.
2: And I think too, if you can just say, you know, I really need to talk this. I need to talk some things out. But then you may see that the other person needs some silence. And maybe one night you don't talk as much and you just sit in the silence with Mm -hmm. them. I think Mm -hmm. it's that extending of grace and trying to see each other for who you are. Mm. But I think you both need to see each other. And Mm -hmm. give a little in that. I mean, you may have, your spouse may be one of those people that they didn't talk even before this happened. They just weren't a talker. Exactly. And this might shut it down even more. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, And so maybe finding other ways of being together, like just taking a walk, not talking. Mm. How about tonight we do talk? I need to talk as we go up the hill, but when we come down, we'll be quiet. Mm I think there's some give and take there though. I can't, I don't think just the talker needs to talk. And if you are a talker like me, there were times when Ron was a talker, but my talking was round and round and round and it never landed anywhere. I needed to find someone who I could vent to Mm -hmm. and talk round and round. That may be a therapist, that may be a real trusted friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there were times when I had to learn to just sit and let him just veg with a TV show Mm-hmm. Although I knew he was still grieving and just be beside him.
1: Yeah. Y- you know, you're bringing up another one. Some people are frequent conversationalists <laughs> in their grief, other people infrequent. Like, yeah, I'll talk, but then when I'm done, leave me alone for so a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I, you know, again, this is one of those things where you and I, in the beginning, I think we both talked, we were just sort of manic in yeah, our grief. Yes. But then over time, we started mm-hmm. to notice that there were differences. Right. And you wanted to talk and I at some point got tired of that mm-hmm. and needed some space. And that's a hard moment to say, yeah. honey, mm-hmm. I need a little break okay. from this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was a part of us trying to be honest with each other mm-hmm. and connecting even even though we needed a different manner of connection. Right. So I hope what your listeners are hearing is this can be so awkward.
0: It can. Uh, yeah. And
1: and so difficult to try to figure out how to navigate this terrain together. But as Dan said, a grace heart to slow down and, and give each other space and mm-hmm. to be different is really important. Yeah. You know, one of the other things I've noticed is people trying to be strong for yeah. each other, mm-hmm. which means what? For for some men, that means I don't have any problems. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want my kids to see that in me. They, they need to see You know, dad's okay. You know, I get that, but I really don't think it's true. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the counselor in me wants to just come right back and say, nope. What your children need, what your spouse needs, male or female, husband or wife, what they need is to see your sadness. That gives them permission to have their sadness. Mm -hmm. Now we can be sad together. That's grieving together. So very important. But if you're just always walled up and sort of trying to be strong, it sends the wrong message. Mm -hmm.
2: I have an example of something I feel like we did well with things that we needed, and then I'll tell you a bad one on me. So here we go. Sure. So shortly after Connor passed away and he spent 10 days in the hospital, two different hospitals, we came home and, you know, we're trying to do life one foot in front of the other. I found Ron and my oldest son Brayden wanting to watch medical shows. Mhm. I couldn't. No. I couldn't do it. was a trigger. Right. Of so course. I excused myself. Now, everything within me wanted to say, "Why are you doing that? Don't you remember?" But I didn't. And I just went into the bedroom, and my youngest son and I watched Food Network. Mm -hmm. It was safe. Yes. And we had our time for TV, but it was safe. Mm -hmm. I feel like I did that well.
0: Yes. You gave each other grace to to do what you needed to do. Yeah. I -hmm. didn't
2: berate them. What in the world? Why would you do this? But I will say I did that surrounding music. Connor loved to sing. He and I sang harmony together loved Christian music together. I could not have that playing for the longest time. Mm -hmm. But I didn't extend grace with that. I demanded it not to be on, not to be playing. And Ron ended up playing it on his own, alone, for the longest time. And I now see that was all of my pain talking and all of my hurt. Hmm. And it was protecting myself from the pain, but I didn't see it was a need in him. Now, there were times in the years that he would take the boys to Christian concerts and he'd say, would you go? And I'm like, I just can't do it. Now, that was, that was self-care. Yeah. But when I demanded it not be on in the car or on in our home, that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I regret that now. Sure. So I, I think it takes a lot of courage and strength to pull Mm -hmm. the grace out for everyone in in the situation because everybody's going to be grieving differently. Yes.
1: Jill, we've got two more pitfalls I want to help people avoid. And the last one is trusting God. That's, I think, the hardest Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. So before that, let's just talk about, Nan and I like to say, Connor's death was a massive earthquake that rocked our world. Everything was in ruins. Our life is in rubble. You're just standing there with your jaw dropped going, N- what happened? And now yeah. what do I do? It, we don't know how to, nothing's standing, you know, mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. home, our office, our life, our, nothing is standing like it was. It's in ruins. Right. And you just begin to sort through the rubble and you're just sort of dead eyed for a long time. You just begin to sort of piece life back together again. But there are also aftershocks. Mm -hmm. and and i think that's something we don't talk a lot about in the grieving community like the aftershocks are i lost my job because i can't i got you know i got grief brain i can't function and then they gave me a little grace but then they finally said you're out and there's another significant loss there are friendships that just go away that disappear for us we had friendships and we felt like our church was there and then they weren't And we had that loss. Uh, There's family uh, trying to figure out new relationships. And there are so many little ripples. Mm -hmm. And here we are, you know, 13 and a half years out, still experiencing ripples. Yeah. Because that's just the way it rolls. And so every one of those aftershocks brings its own measure of stress. And honestly, you can get so lost, not only in the initial earthquake, but then the aftershocks that you just sort of are consumed by stress and change and unwanted transition that it's easy to drift in your marriage
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i mean and that's the bottom line there is that's why i go back to grieving together is so important because if you're not connecting around that you may be disconnected more often than you realize Mm -hmm. and that's problematic
0: Mm -hmm. so
1: you sort of have to force yourself into the grief experience together even if you don't like it you don't want to sometimes i had to force myself into into talking even though i'm a talker sometimes i had to make myself come out of my shell in certain times yeah and it's just keeping in mind we've got to keep this relationship going Mm -hmm. okay so the last pitfall i mentioned is is trusting god and we've just found even in our own journey and also in talking with others that and this is a great, beautiful place of finding comfort from the Lord who offers comfort like none other, says Second Corinthians chapter 1. And at the very same time, sometimes the hard theological questions about death and where was God and how does Fire. this add up, mm-hmm. the nonsensical nature of the loss of our children, that can get in the way of trusting mm-hmm. God. And the next thing you know, one of you is in one place in your walk mm-hmm. with the Lord and the other one's in a different place. Yeah. And now we're not connected. It it's almost like we're unequally yoked. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a that's a phrase maybe I'm overusing it, but I think it makes the point. We're just we're going in two different directions as sure. it relates to this deep significant part of our lives. Our first 4 years what mm-hmm. we you'd say we were walking we were together,
2: together. Mm-hmm. for sure.
1: And then after that, we sort of began parting. Yes. I'll I'll say my side. I started, okay. I wrestled with God a lot, asked all the hard questions, studied the scriptures, talked to people I trust, sort of had my Job found my peace thing happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of came through it and said, I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't understand this, but God, I will trust you in it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Nan had a different journey.
2: And I journeyed for a decade being angry and doubtful and feeling incredibly abandoned by God and then again abandoned by Ron after Mm -hmm. four years of being together in it. And I coped by numbing and using substances for a decade. And that put a tremendous amount of strain on our marriage and Mm -hmm. our relationship and um it was not easy it was a very hard season but by the grace of god but god ephesians Mm 2 i love that chapter god met me in my brokenness and Mm -hmm. i am walking now in freedom you know two years of A beautiful redemption story by the lord uh leaning into him more and more trusting him more and more with all the pains of my life Mm -hmm. but especially this and you know i can sit here and say now i regret certain things in my grief journey i Mm -hmm. regret certain things of how i treated people and things i said i really was a very messy griever and a very angry griever but i hear that a lot you know i hear that a lot with people that are in that first and second year you know, it should have been this way because I prayed this, but it didn't so, or I just don't know what to do at church. Music is so painful. Right. Yeah. What do you do with this when you said, God, here is this, and on and on it goes. Mm-hmm. And what I say to our members and what I say to people, if you can just tether yourself so even slightly to God yes, and go, Just lean into Him and lean into His light, His grace, and His mercy, and just give it to Him. He will carry you. He will Mm -hmm. carry you. But that is a hard thing to do when you are in excruciating pain.
1: Right. Yes.
2: And a tremendous amount of pain.
1: And so when we sort of parted in terms of our posture toward God, it added stress between us. In our
2: marriage, for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: And like everything else we've talked about we had to work at it Mm -hmm. we couldn't just take it for granted it was something we had to be very intentional with to try to move toward one another in however ways that we could and so sometimes that meant you know i think for nan it meant sort of finding a way to be okay if i wanted to listen to christian music for example or Mm -hmm. you know i had it on in the car and she hopped in the car you know it was a grace posture on her part to give me that. Mm-hmm. For me, it was sitting and talking with her, not trying to force my answers into her life. Right, you I know, sort of so, uh, being near her, even in her own journey. I mean, those are those are delicate places to be. Yeah, but that's the reality of how do we find each other? Like we just were not going to let go of that. Mm -hmm. we're going to find each other one way or another.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to be very committed to that, don't you?
1: Yes, you you do. do.
0: Mm -hmm. And make that a priority for sure. Sometimes couples grieve together, kind of like you've been describing, and sometimes they don't. Mm. So how can couples navigate this?
1: You know, the one thing we haven't said yet that I think is helpful is – Make this overt. Like if you're listening right now and you're going, oh my goodness, that's us. I'm in one place, they're in another place. I don't know what to do about that. You know, I I think a very soft approach would be Mm -hmm. to simply say, you know, I was listening to this podcast today and it made me realize something. I feel this about this part of our life and our journey and you seem to feel that. And I, you know, sometimes we're not connected around that. Mm -hmm. And I feel a little distant. You probably feel distant from me. And what I know is neither one of us is to blame. And both of us need to try to manage it together. Mm -hmm. And I would love to just talk with you about how this, what's your experience of this trusting God thing, for example, in your life and in my life? And and how do you feel connected to me and disconnected? And I'm Mm -hmm. not going to take offense at that. Let's just Mm -hmm. say what it is. And then let's decide how we're going to begin to move forward a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, that's that's movement toward one another, even mm-hmm. when you haven't solved it yet.
2: Yes. I think it takes a tremendous amount of humility to say, this is hard. You know, and when you think back on your marriage... Did you come together in everything before the loss? Right. Did you come together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Did you have mm-hmm. the same opinion about money, about mm-hmm. sex, mm-hmm. about child rearing, about communication, yeah. about all of those things? You probably already had an ebb and flow and a rub with certain issues. Take a breath and go, okay, so now we have this really hard, painful thing. Maybe I need to humble myself and go, mm. The way he's acting and reacting, it's probably how he needs to react and feel. This might be his tendency towards the grave or going back to church or work or exercise or watching a medical show on TV. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He can compartmentalize better than I can. I'm more triggered by those things. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes humility to step back Because when you're in pain, all you can see is the pain for yourself. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except
2: when you're a parent, you can see the pain for your other child. It really is hard Mm -hmm. to see the pain of your spouse and react to, why are you reacting that way? You really want to get the Christmas tree out? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I think that's when you step back and you try to put on some humility and say, I know this is hard. Mm -hmm. We've never done this before without our child. Mm -hmm. How do you see it going down? I kind of don't need the stockings, but maybe what do you think? And I think it takes some humility, some grace, some love towards that person Mm -hmm. and taking a breath, like I said, and going, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go to the grave all the time like I do? Because Mm -hmm. I'm really needing that. That person may say, no. That's not and at that, what I need.
1: At that point, it's really okay to give each other permission. When we mm-hmm. say move toward one another, does not mean you have to then become them. <laughs> like You don't yes. have to want to go to the grave because they like going to the grave or the right. frequency as much as they. Right. It's okay if one of you goes and one of you does not go. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't allow that at the same time to become kind of a stuck pattern where you're just walking two totally separate roads. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. may not go to the cemetery but when the other comes back, you can ask them about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: engage yeah. them around that, mm-hmm. at least share a piece of that, Yeah. even yeah. though that's not your thing, mm-hmm. right? That's that's giving each other grace to grieve as they need to grieve, but then mm-hmm. also trying to connect within it as best you can. Mm-hmm. And I have to bring up something. You just mentioned how we don't always connect around sex. I I think that is one of those super delicate areas for couples. who are grieving Mm -hmm. it certainly was for us it's that place of utmost spiritual connection and Mm -hmm. closeness and intimacy and yet how do you give yourself into that space when your heart is there's an elephant sitting on your chest yeah you may not have the thought the energy the know-how it may feel so counter to everything else happening in your life Mm -hmm. you can't even imagine being sexually intimate Right, together and and yet for other couples that we've talked with they find that a solace Mm -hmm. they find it an escape perhaps a comfort Mm -hmm. a sort of a mutual holding of one another that is somehow grief Mm
0: -hmm. now i don't know
1: i've ever done a seminar where we talk about sex as grief but i do think it becomes becomes that sure in in moments like this all of that to say again there's a an important place of connection in your relationship that you will have to talk through Mm -hmm. how to be respectful and honoring towards one another as you navigate that stepping through uh, your grief journey.
0: Yeah. Well, and I really like the points you made about you have to come to each other in humility, you know? And I love what you said, Ron, too, about how you just put it right out front, neither of us are to blame for this, you know, for this lack of communication or for this difference that we're experiencing. And when you put that out there at the beginning, I think it opens up the conversation so much more. And then I think also we need to be accepting of what the other spouse says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we have our own idea yes. of what they should be feeling and what their responses should be. And if that's not what they come back to us with, we need to be accepting of that. And that's back to humility is, mm-hmm. you know, putting the other above yourself. Um yeah. So that you've given us a lot to think about.
1: Nan mentioned a, another way we talk about learning your own rhythms and the other yes. and your partner's rhythms as right. it relates to grief. You mm-hmm. know, I just think of the calendar. Here's a good example going into Connor's birthday or his, the day he passed away, going into Christmas, going into those special holidays,
2: Mother's yeah. Day, Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. I
1: am anxious on the front end and we've learned and she is sort of feels her grief and it peaks on the back end of these yeah. things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, she rallies the day of. <laughs> I, I'm sort of falling to pieces. But afterwards, she's fallen to pieces mm-hmm. and I'm sort of right. back up again, a little yeah. teeter-totter there for us. Yeah. Not everybody's like that, right. but mm-hmm. that's what I mean by learning your own rhythm of, the, mm-hmm. of your grief and your partner's and then someday you wake up and you go okay we've done this now three or four years i kind of know what to expect when right. yeah. and this day uh-huh. rolls around mm-hmm. i know uh-huh. what to expect from you or f- mm-hmm. and here's what you need is that still what you need uh yes or no right because it evolves and changes over it time does.
2: it does mm-hmm. yeah i think i rally because i'm carrying that day for him Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just my mama thing you know it's sure. kind of like the the his celebration his funeral i was going to do that and i was going to speak because he didn't have a voice anymore you know it was that mama in me that was Mm -hmm. going to do for my son who did not have a voice anymore and then i just plummet (laughs) and so um i mean i ran a half half marathon when he was supposed to be graduating from high school because I could at that time. I can't anymore, but I could at that time. And it just, I wanted to do something he couldn't do, you know? Yeah, and so sure. it's just this thing in my mind. I've got to conquer something for him, you know? But then mm-hmm. I just plummet afterwards. And so mm-hmm. it, it is a sweet blessing that we can have that because then we kind of carry each other mm-hmm. yeah. that way. But I will tell you this, you know, when the kids are involved, there were some seasons where Ron had to pick up teaching one of our sons how to drive. I don't even remember how he learned that. (laughs) Thank goodness he took the reins on that. But our youngest son, the first two years, slept beside our bed. Mm -hmm. He thought he would be next or we would be next. He was 10. He needed that. I remember one night Ron saying, okay, this is going to happen every night in this bedroom. And I remember his (laughs) sister was there. I was there. We had taken the real mattress off his bed because the air mattresses we kept buying were popping with the child and the golden retriever on them <laughs> and so my sister-in-law right. said hey let's just take the real mattress off and he was like whoa 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 that no, feels that's, permanent that feels permanent and i thought if this child sleeps beside this bed for the rest of his life <laughs> you know as you know as the lord is my witness I right. don't know uh-huh. about it. Uh-huh. and i stood firm on that and he just kind of backed off and you know two years later he grew out of that. And he said, I think it's time to go back into my room. But you know, if you feel strong about something, you Mm -hmm. can't speak up. Uh But um, you know, I was strong about that. And then he could take the reins for the driving. Mm. So thankful. Yeah. But um, you know, there were seasons when I had to do some therapy and Ron didn't. There were some seasons when our children needed to do that. And I could take the reins on that. I think it's just, just how you do in family life beforehand. But, if you really can tag one another, if someone has more energy for something else, yeah. then tag team.
1: That's one of the advantages of learning your rhythms. Yes. Is mm-hmm. You do know, all right, I know I got to be on because I know this is when she needs to plummet.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And and you help each other out.
0: Yeah, you do. Yeah, I know we noticed just on kind of a daily basis, especially early on, when I would have a really, really bad day where I was plummeting, it seemed like Brad was having a better day Mm. and vice versa when brad would be having a horrible day and just be so low it seemed like i was having a better day and we've talked to many couples that have experienced that same thing is that pretty typical
1: i actually think it is yeah Mm -hmm. i think it's god's grace and provision i do too Uh and i'm also mindful there's somebody listening and you're not married at this point yourself and you're doing it by yourself Mm -hmm. and i want to just say be intentional to surround yourself with with a dear friend or a trusted family, extended family member Safe. who who is that mm-hmm. counterpart for you. And that's a part of learning your grieving rhythms. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so, you know, the first year, somebody listening right now and you're in the first year, you're just surviving. You're mm-hmm. just getting through. You and are. you're barely even noticing what your rhythms were, right? Yeah. Year two, okay. you kind of go, oh, you know, I think I'm going to plummet about now that seems to be what <laughs> year three you can yeah okay that's sort of how it works and once you figure that stuff out it's sort of relieving mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you can start planning for your grief i know that mm-hmm. sounds really odd but it's really helpful and again if there's other people in your life other children a, a spouse whoever learning their rhythms now you begin to sort of help each other Mm -hmm. in an intentional way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's very helpful. This concludes the first half of my conversation with Ron and Nan Deal. I hope you'll join us again next week when we'll be talking about the role of step-parents in child loss, parenting surviving siblings, finding your child's legacy, and the virtual support group they host for bereaved parents. I think you'll find it to be very helpful as you navigate this journey, and I look forward to sharing it with you next Wednesday.